Welcome back to the Lost Joystick Network, episode 43. Hmm. I'm your host, Mike. Yep. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Jay. Yep. Jay, say hello to the people. Nope. Moving on. (laughs) Hello. Oh, there you are. That Bubbles was in here for a minute. Nope. (laughs) So... How you doing, bud? I'm good. How are you? It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Thanks. That's the first time anybody's ever said that. Really? <laughs> no. Oh. So, Jay, how are your weeks? Good. Haven't Excellent. been very productive. Um, you know, working, hanging out at home. Went to Lansing last weekend. Mm-hmm. Bought some strawberries, really cheap. Horrocks had strawberries. We bought a whole like, crate of them for like four bucks. Wow really good good strawberries neat but some flowers okay strawberries would you go to the farmer's market we did yes okay so it's farmer's market i I guess i should probably explain that yeah not everybody knows what the hell you're talking about including me anyway (laughs) how about you how have you been i'm good how how have your weeks been? oh i've been busy so a couple things when i think i mentioned it on the last show but myself and retro bobby went on a road trip through northern-ish, central to northern Ohio to hit a number of video game stores, <laughs> which we did. And I'll detail the results of that trip uh, in our collecting segment, which will be up next. So are you alluding that you may have purchased something? I did. Oh. I'm not even alluding. I'm confirming. Oh. And then, other than that, I this past Saturday, I drove down Friday night, stayed the night down in Perrysburg, and then spent the day at Rock'em Sock'em with my good friend John, Spent the day in his shop, just kind of helping, talking about planning for TORG, which is the convention in Columbus in November. And one of the things they want me to do, I can't remember if I've even talked about it on the show. They want me to bring my licensed set short of stadium events and put it on display as an exhibit. They also want me to be like one of the ambassadors. So I'll be like promoted and they'll be promoting the podcast and all that stuff. And my job will be to, you know, last year I provided some of the stuff that they had at their museum. Yeah. And like, I think John Hancock and Brett Weiss were the two that did let that kind of work. They're going to have me do that this year. When is this? November. So you have plenty of time for my plan here. I don't know what your plan is, but sure. My plan is for you to grow a pencil mustache. Oh, okay. Very good. And wear a tuxedo to this. And show up like John Waters. And be like, come one, come all. <laughs> See the wonders of Nintendo. The grandest show of all. Yes. 676 cartridges. <laughs> good enough. So a lot of that. Um, let's see. Prepping for Midwest Gaming Classic. It is now officially March. So I have 30 days to get completely ready. I've been making sure everything is in line. I've, I've uh, secured my check-in time, made sure all of my invoices are paid, the proper number of tables and passes will be available. And right now, it sounds like, and I basically can confirm, Harrison will not be going with us. Okay. Fuck that kid. <laughs> that's why I, that's I'm why, joking. That's I what I told him when I'm I said sad. he couldn't go. <laughs> I'm sad. No, Harrison won't be going, but... In his place, it looks like our good friend Matty Ice from the Matty Ice and Marky Mark podcast will be joining us. 
potentially in the car, potentially driving by himself with his uh, girlfriend, Sarah. So I think Sarah was in the chat earlier. So hello, Sarah. Um, no offense I don't, to Sarah by any means, but can we revert back to Harrison? Maybe. Well, let's see what happens. All right. So that's, that's pretty much it for me. Like a lot of, I've spent a lot of the free time I have, have had recently cleaning, pricing, boxing, making sure things are ready for Midwest Gaming Classic. I have probably 200 Super Famicom games I'm going to bring with me and a lot of like good stuff. And then I have a couple of bins of other things. I've got some box Famicoms, a Super Famicom. The list goes on. All right. So anything else before we move into the collecting update? I don't think so. time for the collecting update no shit i'll let you go first because my list is very long this time what do you think the odds of me having something there i know you took notes so you know but in general low but this time i'm gonna give it a one in one shot it's pretty good i do have some stuff yeah so i actually uh you and i went over to kyle's of course retro replay and uh, hung out with him and i ended up getting an oled switch oled switch mm-hmm which I like. It's pretty cool. I didn't realize how much bigger the screen is on the on it until I had them next to each other. And nicer. Yeah, it does. It, it looks way nicer. It really does. So, And the stand is cool. I know we've talked about this, but the stand is just awesome. You know I love it. You know what's nice? Having an actual network port yeah, it on is. the stand. It sure is. That is nice instead of just having wireless only. I concur. Uh, I, I enjoyed that. But yeah, I picked that up. So I got that from Kyle. Um, it's actually kind of a trade. I traded him my old switch for the new one, which was a pretty good deal for me. And I appreciate him for that as always. Kyle always looking out for us, man. I know I so. need, I'm looking out for him too. I'm going to be helping him with the vendor stuff for Midwest gaming classic. It sounds like he's coming as well, which so. I'll help him there. Of course. And of course I'm going to do some camera work at his, it's in gonna, his store for him. So I mean, it's not, yeah, that's what I mean. He's taking care of me. I'm taking care of him. Exactly. Exactly. We're taking care of each other. We're all in this together. That's we're all in the same gang, as, yeah, they, as yeah. they said. I believe Michelle said we should get some jackets. We can get some jackets with the logo, man. Hell yeah! If we're gonna order some promotional some material, teen jackets. Hell yes. All right. What That's else? What else did you buy? Anything? Size. So I got Deftones. Which one? Adrenaline. The best one. Mm, I don't know. I do like Around the Fur. Around the Fur is fine. I think I'm always gonna be partial to. Adrenaline just because it was my first experience and you exposed me to them. So I did not expose anything to you. Deftones. Oh, music. Yeah, it's music. I got you there. So, so no, I got that. Um, oh, and uh, when we were coming back from Horrocks, which is in Lansing on the west side of the state, mm-hmm. west side of the state, west side of the town, we drove through East Lansing through campus, MSU campus, and there is a really cool record store there called FBC, which is flat, black, and circular. Mm-hmm. It's been Eddie. there for ever a staple yes awesome store yep it is dudes that run it are same dudes that have been there from when i was going there when i was like 16 yep. they're, and they're both the coolest dudes uh they're still there so we stopped and went through there thumbed through some stuff i made uh heather mckenna come in with me even though they didn't want to they just stood there and stared at me like i was a fucking psycho <laughs> but uh, and then they paid for everything yeah but i just <laughs> I, I ended up picking up uh i got a copy of generator i got the bad religions book. generator yeah. right yeah but i got generator so that was pretty cool 
So I like that. Yeah. Um, that's really all I got, though. I didn't really get anything else. All right. So what about you? Did you get some stuff? Oh, man. Buckle up. Okay. I'm going to start. I feel like I should have a, a seatbelt for this chair. Man, oh, man. Yeah, seriously. There's I, I actually got quite a bit. Now, some of this has been in the works, and you helped kind of facilitate it. And then we I, I went on the trip to northern Ohio, mid-Ohio, whatever you want to call it. And some other things just kind of showed up that I forgot about. So I'll start with the stuff that you helped bring in. So I just muled. That's yeah, you were, kind of, you were kind of the mule. So Jay had to take a trip to Chicago last week, and you were going to be in Northbrook. And Cart Mageddon or Nick Shepsis, whatever we're supposed to call him now, I think I'll just call him Nick. He is in. He's he lives right by Northbrook. I don't know exactly the city where. just west yeah. of it or just outside of it. Yeah, but he said he was like five minutes. But Nick had he and I had agreed that he was going to sell me a bunch of boxed NES games, some accessories, and then also Robbie had a few things for me that he included with all the stuff that you got from Nick. Yes, Deerfield is the city. So I wound up getting three boxes in a bag. I don't remember four boxes in a bag. Uh, three bankers boxes. There was a cardboard box and a bag, a small bag, and then the keyboard. And then the key, yes. Which sorry, I'm- it's okay. I got the Miracle Piano. Yes. And a stand. I already have the cartridge. So good there. Don't worry. Yes. <laughs> the easiest to find part. You know, I got that from him. Yeah. I, let me talk about the stuff I got from Robbie too. So I got G Darius for the PS1 shooter mm-hmm. that I had purchased from Robbie some time ago. And then Parodius, which is going to be the topic of our next episode in a week. But the PAL NES copy of Proteus i have a, a famicom copy so i'm gonna you and i are gonna play that over the next week i'm sure we'll enjoy that and then Played we'll come the back shit and, out of the famicom the one super, already. super yeah super Proteus, whatever that one is i forget which one it is it that was, was super fucking cool yeah we had a was. we had a good time with that so <laughs> but uh got those things from robbie and then the the I, the chunk of stuff i got from nick was like he gave me a bunch of controllers the zapper all the stuff in a bag yes. he gave me two boxes full of dust sleeves some nintendo logo ones some black all black mm-hmm. right uh, which i really didn't need but he's like please just take them we don't we don't want i don't want them and then the real crux of what i got from him was a lot of nes stuff shocking yeah. i know hard to believe i got like 75 boxed nes games from him some cool stuff yes and i also got a loose copy of master chew and the drunkard hue which is really the only light unlicensed game that i ever really wanted to get again i mean i don't mind i get them and you'll find out i got some from him in in this this collection but have you played it i haven't yet have you played it before oh yeah i had that i yes i had that cartridge for 15 years and then i got rid of it when i moved down to kentucky or up to kentucky from atlanta i had some friends that were into retro gaming and i said oh you know i have some stuff you can you can have and i gave it to them and i mean that cartridge at the time was probably a 15 or 20 dollar cartridge and it's 40 now or whatever it doesn't really matter but i'm gonna say that is the, I wish I would have brought it with me. That is the nicest freaking unlicensed game I've ever seen. That copy is like brand new. It's bright blue. It's the whites are white. Like usually those things look like they've been flushed down a toilet or something. And this one just looks great. So I was excited about that. We know if you're going to buy anything from Nick, you're getting top Qua- notch from him. Quality stuff. Yep. But some of the highlights of the things that I got from the boxed NES, about two thirds of them I'm probably going to keep because mm-hmm. I didn't have them. So there were like around 50 that I'm keeping, despite Robbie's guidance otherwise. He said I should get rid of them and just take them and price them. And I'm like, eh, you know, 
I thought about it and I thought, nah. <laughs> I'm impressed you're going to get rid of about 25 of them. Well, it's because I already have those. I'm still impressed. <laughs> but some of the highlights in the box were Darkwing Duck yep. with the box. I do not have the manual, but the carton box. Tailspin was in there. Uh, Adventures of Lolo 2 was complete. What else? I'm looking at my pictures here. The, the Magic of Scheherazade with the manual and the map, which was cool. And actually, my copy already had that. So I was like, oh, cool. I'll grab the map. And I'm like, no, I don't need to. I already have it. Got myself a boxed copy of Magmax finally. So I'm sure our friend Casey Masterpiece will be excited. Uh, a couple of unlicensed games. So things like Ultimate League Soccer in the box. Like things you just never see anymore. You know, boxed unlicensed game. Venice Beach Volleyball. Um, which has got a pretty sexy cover on it. <laughs> a nice hand-drawn sexy cover. But a lot of stuff like that. So just, I don't want to, you know, bore everybody. I might post some pictures in the story just so people can see it, you know, on Instagram because there's a lot of good stuff. And it was all super well-labeled. It was already pre-priced. So, so. Did you tell, um, should we talk about my conspiracy theory with a lot of those games missing the manuals? I didn't know there was one. Yeah, I remember I was I was like, it's awful convenient that Robbie had these in his possession. <laughs> and he's been hunting for manuals, and a number of these games were missing the manuals. That's right. In a group chat, Robbie's constantly talking about the manuals he's looking for, but none of he these were kind mentioned. of quieted down all of a sudden yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> no. I'm I, on to you, Coleman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Um, a couple of other things I got from Nick that I thought were really cool I wanted to put on the table here were these. I got a boxed NES 4 score right there. That's pretty cool. You never see that, right? Like these individually boxed accessories. I just never see them. set that one over here? Yeah, sure. And then the NES satellite. That was pretty cool. So anyway, a little bit about that. That's some stuff I got from our, our good friend Nick. I love the gaggle of kids on the back here in the sweater. All four of them in their sweaters playing. So what else you got? All right. Went on a road trip with our friend Retro Bobby. And originally we were just going to kind of hover around northern Ohio. And the night before he goes, why don't we just go to Columbus? Or it might have been the day of. And uh, he goes, why don't we go to Columbus? I'm like, all right, sure. So I got up at 7 a.m. on Saturday, drove down to his house, got there at like 8 a.m., showed up. I gave him, oh, he needed, he's collecting Nintendo powers and he's trying to get the first like 68. Yeah. And he was missing issues six and 11. And I think it was 11 that I had a duplicate of. That's the one with Super Mario through with the sun on the cover and all that yeah. stuff. So I brought him a duplicate of it that I had and gave it to him. And he had something for me too. What's that? He had this. This was a, I, we, I can't really tell. Okay. I don't really know. But it's like a promotional part of issue eight of Nintendo Power. So this is the identical cover that you would have gotten from issue eight of Nintendo Power. Mm -hmm. Okay, the September, October 1989 issue. But it is what they call a piece of power. It's just about, I don't know, 12 or 16 pages, maybe. And even that many? I don't know. But it's it's it was obviously some sort of promotional item that Nintendo provided, which I'm going to guess was People who had like sent in registration to Nintendo, but were not Nintendo Power subscribers, maybe they received this. And it's all of them I've ever seen, which is the three total. Okay, the two on eBay, which have different verbiage and and different color text. They all have this crease across the middle, so I feel like they were folded in half and stuck Wait, in an envelope of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he gave me that, so I thought that was nice. So thank you, Retro Bobby, for that. 
And that wasn't for lack of researching when you say it, you guessed that is. We looked, and there's nothing on this thing online. No, it's really hard to get any info. And if anybody has any information about it, let me know, because, man, oh, man, it is just a tough one to to find out about. So, anyway, like I said, Bobby and I started down in Columbus. We started at Forever Games. We wound up going to Forever Games first. We got there when they opened. And it was weird, because they're kind of in this weird strip mall that's not even a strip mall it's like a it's like an office strip i don't even know how to describe it so we go to there and i'm like are we in the right place because it wasn't open yet and we were there at like oh i don't remember 11 58 or whatever it was we were like two minutes before they open so the dude shows up they open right on time no problem and we go in and it's just kind of like underwhelming like was it like the would you equate it to clerks like in the beginning when the guys are standing outside he walks up unlocks the door Kind of. Okay. Yeah. It was very similar to that. Yes. Yeah. We were just kind of standing there. Guys like, I'll open up in a couple minutes. And he went in and locked the door behind him. And then he came back out and opened up. But so we go to the store and it's just kind of underwhelming. Like I understand that the owner of Forever Games, good friend of John's at Rock'em Sock'em, like a great deal of the cool stuff that they have is not necessarily out on display or whatever it is. But yeah. the store just feels very sanitary, like sanitized, like nothing is priced. Everything is on display, but not everything on display was for sale. So like this control deck, they have a version of this control deck that sits behind me, or I should say there's the the control deck version of the NES. There's a version that includes the official Nintendo player's guide or whatever it's called. Yeah. That's the version I really want. That's the version I had as a kid. They had one there. So I said, oh, how much is this? And the guy goes, oh, the stuff up on the shelf isn't normally for sale. Now it's a little bit higher. Okay. But the problem here is everything's on a shelf and nothing's priced. So how am I supposed to know what's for sale and what's not? So kind of after that, we were like, let's leave. One of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to shopping for retro games is going to a store that does not have prices on their games. I do not want to have to ask you every time I want to know how much something is. And I understand that markets fluctuate and this and that, but I will promise you this, your prices are never going to be lower than you know what I mean like you're not going to put it at some price and go, oh it should be less now you're, you're never going to do that you're gonna say well it's still 40 I paid this for it or whatever my point is if you want to sell something put a price on it so sorry I we know it's okay no, somebody had just commented in the chat about they'd been there a couple times same place and yeah they were talking about how they had to call somebody to yeah. ask for prices yeah they 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 had to reach out to Matt the owner I'm sure and say hey how much is this is it for sale and he said no now if he would have known that I was John's friend or if I'd have showed up with John or if he'd have been there and told him I was good friends with John or whatever, maybe the experience is different. But I'm telling you, just walking in off the street and into that store is just kind of underwhelmed. I'm like, there's fine stuff here. It wasn't anything earth shattering, but it was also just kind of like, I don't want to have to ask you. There's a store here. Say, was it for sale or for? Right. You can't tell. Yeah. There's a store here in town. I'm not going to name it, but I never go to it because of that very reason. Oh. I, I, I'm sure they have very nice stuff. And I, I never go there because I don't want to have to ask you how much everything in the store is. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. It's ridiculous. So it's Kyle, isn't it? No, it's not Kyle. Actually, <laughs> go ahead, I'm sorry. no, I tell Kyle how much I'm going to pay for whatever I get from him, which is nothing. No. So then we went to Capital Games. Capital Games was a similar experience, but less sanitized. And I actually did buy a couple things there. I didn't bring any of it with me, but they were kind of the same thing where I was like asking and then they'd go look things up and then it's like, oh, there's this variant and I don't know how much to charge you for this and blah, blah. I'm like, can you just put a fucking price on whatever it is that you're selling? Like it can't deviate that much. 
I mean, I was going to ask if it's uh, are they doing that because prices go up and down? They do go up and down, and I get that they fluctuate, but I'm going to tell you, <laughs> the only reason they're going to fluctuate that much is because they're still on your fucking shelves after two years. Because they're they not don't, priced. They don't fluctuate on a day-to-day basis, and if you were to say, hey, we have Bubble Bobble 2 and Bonk's Adventure and all these like high-end, hard-to-find NES games, they won't be there very long if you put a price on them, yeah. but if they just sit there and you have to ask every time, people are going to be like, I, I'm good. You know, and that's that's exactly what happened. I had to I went there and I wound up buying Attack of the Killer Tomatoes loose because mine had like a little bit of an end label that I wasn't super happy with or whatever. And it was fair enough price, but they had to look it up. And then I wound up buying on the untouchables for NES. There's a blue variant and a black variant. And the blue variant is much harder to find oh, than yeah. the black one. And somehow I slipped that one past the goalie because they charged me the standard like $25 for untouchable when I think that the blue one is a bit it's definitely a bit harder to find. And it should be more expensive, but I'm not sure if it is or not. So, anyway. So, after that, you know, we went to so many stores, it's hard to keep track. But I will I will talk about the ones that we definitely had an experience with. The next store we went to was Warp Zone, I would say, if I'm not mistaken. And, and Bobby is in the chat, so he can correct me. But Warp Zone was actually featured in that nintendo documentary that the guy was trying to collect the entire set in 30 days on youtube oh yeah you were talking I've, about that yeah i've never watched but but everybody seems to know i of all the people who haven't watched i'm the guy that hasn't watched it so we're in there the owner of the store whose name is darren very nice guy i got to know uh, a lot of imports and stuff at warp zone but their store was featured in this this documentary yes. and i walk in and he goes hey if you buy that copy of magic knight ray earth i'll close the store and it's like one o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, they had just opened an hour prior and it's a Saturday, $1,200. Okay. So I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm not doing that. Okay, sure. So we get to talking to the guy and he kind of says stuff like, you know, all the prices in here are just a suggestion. And if you want something, make me an offer on it. And I'm like, okay, no, no problem. Like, thank you. So we're talking about the, I wasn't talking, but somebody was talking about the documentary. And then this guy in the shop goes, oh yeah, I was in that. I was the guy that, uh, he was the guy who ultimately sold the collector a copy of stadium events. Mm. So he's, I think his name is Todd Curtis. I think he's a dentist is what people said. I, I don't remember, but so Damn dentists. Yeah. So yeah, I know <laughs> fucking dentist. Todd seemed very nice. He was in there buying Sega Genesis games. And of course I said, Hey, Todd, <laughs> got any more of those stadium events for sale? <laughs> and he said, at one point I actually had three of them, but now I only have one and none are for sale. Yeah. So it was some time ago. I think he sold it in 4000 for $4,000 on documentary. And that was, <laughs> those aren't the prices anymore. Yeah. So, but anyway, so interest, just a weird experience that he happened to be in the store That's while we were cool. there. And, and it was just, it was just kind of a neat thing. So I'm standing up there. I bought a copy. I didn't bring it with me, but I bought a loose copy of Tecmo secret of the stars for the super Nintendo, mm -hmm. which is a Tecmo developed RPG. I have a beautiful box and manual and stuff that I got from media reload a couple of years ago, at least. And I could never find a nice cart. Well, they had one. So I bought it. So we're up there chatting and you know, I had looked at, I had kind of looked at the high end stuff that he had in this glass cabinet and he goes, I'll tell you what he was, he was giving me the hard sell on the magic Knight Ray earth, which I don't have. You know, I have Panzer Dragoon Saga. I have Mega Man, whatever it is, eight. I have a couple of, you know, nice high-end Saturn games. And I would buy Ray Earth if uh, if ever given a chance and, you know, at a reasonable price, which, you know, reasonable means a lot of things to a lot of people. Did you look at it or did he just, like, you walked in the door and he's like, you we, buy that? It's gone. We will close the store today. He just kind of, we were kind of looking at the case and he said it, you know. Okay. I didn't know if, like, 
every person that walks <laughs> through the door, he's like, you buy this. Oh, I no. think he profiled us. Uh. Like, here's a couple of affluent fellows who could potentially afford this. No, I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> so anyway, we're at the register. We're, we're BSing and stuff. And he goes, I'll tell you what. I would do like a thousand on this. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm not even really in the market for this game, you know? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, like I'm now kind of thinking about it. Like, okay, like I brought, I brought money with me to spend because we we're going to be doing all this shit. Right. And he goes, 900 bucks. And I said, sold. <laughs> so I bought myself probably the nicest copy of Magic Knight Ray Earth <laughs> that you'll ever see. It has the registration card. It has all the stickers inside. It is immaculate. This was the last licensed game released for the Saturn in North America. It came was out in really? like November of 98. And it's just beautiful working designs. It's the foil, everything. So yeah, like an idiot, I bought it. I paid cash, so I didn't pay tax. We just paid nine flat for it. And uh, yeah, so I, I bought Magic Knight Ray Earth. And uh, I plan on playing it, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> it is a really nice copy. Like it looks... It's like, really nice. Perfect. Now, to Valdor's question, did he close the store? No, he did not close the store. But I did not pay the list price for the game either. So, so say you have people walking in, spend $300, I'm closing <laughs> the store three, today. Exactly, 300 more in a mile. <laughs> so the funniest part of that whole interaction is, at this point, we're in like a strip mall. Warp Zone is in the strip mall in Columbus. Bobby and I walk over, like a two stores over to the subway. We're hungry, you know, go get something to eat. And we, we come back to the car and there are like cups and stuff in the console from our drinks that we had coffee and stuff on the way down to Columbus. So I couldn't find a garbage can. So I walked back into Warp Zone with the cups and this in my hand and I said, what is your return policy? <laughs> and he said, all sales are final. <laughs> so no, he was just, we were obviously just joking around, but yep. So snag that and uh, that was pretty cool. I was happy to have that. We'll see how long I keep it. I don't know. Might end up in Midwest Gaming Classic. It might. It really might. Who's to say? So I'm going to burn through the rest of this stuff pretty quickly. Okay. We went to a store in Delaware. As we started to head north from Columbus, we went to a store. We kind of just stopped off arbitrarily as we were taking this weird route that Waze and Apple Maps was taking us. And we stopped at this store called Games Unlimited. And Bobby bought a couple of things there, but I bought some magazines. Grabbed a couple of PSP movies, some UMDs, two of my all-time favorites. Clerks and Dumb and Dumber. How often do you watch uh, UMDs? Never. <laughs> but that won't stop me from buying them. Those will probably be a Midwest Gaming <laughs> Classic, too. I'll be watching them when you're there. I want to have a PSPL loaded up just watching them just to spite you. Picked up a very early copy of Game Informer. May, June 1993. Not something you see very often. This issue of Game Informer was from 95, March of 95. This was literally one of the ones that we had in the store that I would give away when people subscribed. Really? Right, when we sold the subscription. So when I worked there, this was right in the wheelhouse. So NBA Jam on TE on the cover of that. And then they had uh, some Sega Visions. I grabbed all the Sega Visions they had. This one is August, September 93. It's Sega Sports. Cool. And then this one is uh, promoting Sonic 3, right? Nice. Sega Visions, the Sega version of Nintendo Power. Then they also had the issue about the release of the Saturn, which I did not bring with me, yeah. which was kind of cool. It was in the bag with the mailer and all that stuff, yeah. so I, I grabbed that, too. Nice. That was kind of it until we got to Rock'em Sock'em. Got up and met with John, which was our next-to-last stop on the trip, and I didn't really buy anything, although Bobby bought a nice copy of Chrono Trigger for a good price from John, come to find out. John, you know, good dude, hooked us up. And then he gave me this. He gave me a 
PC boxed copy of Virtual Springfield, The Simpsons, which I've wanted and would have eventually probably purchased. I had this 25, 30 years ago, whatever it was now, 25 years ago. You a Simpsons fan? I've never watched it, but I figured I'd learn everything I need from this 3D exploration of all things Simpsons. That Bart is a funny, funny kid. <laughs> that Homer is so dumb. He says stuff about biting onto his pants or something. Some pants-eating thing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then the the last store that we went to, we only left ourselves a little bit of time. And there's a funny story with it. So John, he kind of knows all these store owners, especially in the area. And there's a store in Perrysburg called Flotsam. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Flotsam and Jetsam, the band or whatever Flotsam. Yeah. Right. And it was, again, in this kind of precariously weird strip mall. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it was kind of an offshoot road. It was weird. Whatever. So he goes, he goes, if he, he knew we were leaving, and he said, hey, tell Brad I said fuck off. <laughs> so we get to the store. I walk in, and there's just a guy behind the counter. I said, are you Brad? And he goes, yeah. And I said, John said to fuck off. <laughs> and he goes, you know what's funny? I don't even have to ask you which John you're talking about. What if he's like, <laughs> what the fuck? And he grabs a bat from under the counter. We would have left. You got about three seconds. I would have left. Oh, well. Yeah, or grabbed a bat of my own, and then we would have had a bat off. A bat off. <laughs> so anyway, when I was there, Brad, really nice shop. He let me come to the back and kind of take a peek at the, I was looking at VHS tapes. He had a stack of them in the back, along with about a million VCRs. But he let me kind of dig through those, and I grabbed some VHS tapes. So here's what I got. If you need hot tips, cool cheats, and sneak peeks from Best Buy on the hot news for Nintendo 64, this is the insider guide to the N64 on VHS. That sounds like a lose all the way across the board. It includes information about Jet Force Gemini and Donkey Kong 64. I got two of my favorite movies I did not have. Despite this giant wall of movies behind me, I did not have... Spaceballs or Friday? You seriously didn't have Spaceballs? How did I not Friday, have Friday? I can say okay, Friday maybe, was, but Spaceballs? I rented Friday on DVD from Hollywood Video. I remember vividly because I left it in my player, and then they said I didn't return it, and I was like, "No, I returned it." And they said the case was empty. I'm like, "There's no way!" And then I came back after being out of town for a road like a trip, and I opened my DVD player. It's like motherfucker, and I think I still have that copy to this day. Yeah. So fuck them; they're out of business. Yep. And then yeah, Spaceballs. Why they went out of business? Because that copy of Friday. Yeah, it was probably it. Yeah, that's probably the one. Spaceball's such a good movie. Well, and then my favorite thing that I got from the trip. It's a Bundy Full Life, the Married with Children VHS tape with the episode where Sam Kennison visits Ed O'Neill, a.k.a. Al Bundy, to see what life would have been like if Al was never around. That is our, when we get our uh, Patreon going, that's going to be our first watch party. Yeah. No. Bobby asked, did you go back to the Flotsam for the four score? No, I actually had one coming from our good friend, Nick, that I had forgotten about that was in a box of things. So, and they did not have Breaking 2. By the way, Kaylin, Breaking 2 on VHS, not easy or inexpensive, by the way. So, all right. And one other thing I bought from Flotsam was another Saturn game. Duke Nukem 3D. Nice. Yeah, I mean, this is more of a stupid, like, it's Duke Nukem, so I should buy it pick, but whatever. So. So that's a little bit about what I bought. I also got a record. I got the Resident Evil soundtrack. It was a box set that was put out by Laced Records. I had forgot I had even ordered this. And it's three records. It's really nice. It's a cool box. Got the umbrella logo on the back. Like, look at the front. It's the stairs you go up in the original mansion. And, you know. It's it's, an awesome cover. It's a fantastic cover. I'm I'm actually looking forward to busting this open and and playing it. So I'm going to do it. I love the fact that you forgot you ordered it. it. It was so long ago that our friend Maddie Ice had to remind me. So, all right. That's it. There was other stuff I bought. I'm sure I'll talk about another time. Okay. Moving on. I want to talk a little bit about 
Midwest Gaming Classic. A couple of promotions. Yeah. First of all, going to have a couple of tables there, myself and, and Kaylin. We will not be sharing tables. Okay. It's all under the Lost Joystick Network umbrella. Okay. Don't cross the streams. We won't. Don't you worry. But if you come up to me at the show and say, buy me Bone Storm or go to hell, I will give you 10% off everything in, the, in my booth. If they say buy me Bone Storm or go to hell to me, I'm not giving them shit. Yeah. Yeah. I will actually charge them double. Okay. That's cool. Okay. All right. Also, our good friend John is going to provide a promotion. And I'm going to let him talk about that when he comes on for the LGN game rating. So, with all that being said, yes. What game will be rated in the LGN game rating section? We are going to do Contra for the NES. Correct! Can you believe we're going to do an NES game? Can anybody out there in Radio Land believe we're going to do an NES game? I think this is the last one we can do. <laughs> Have we done all 600? It's this and Orb 3D. That's all that's left. No, well, anyway. about Master Chew. <laughs> That's unlicensed. We'll get in the unlicensed. Yeah, we'll count then. it. Might as well yeah, get we'll all of them. It. All right. So Contra for the NES. Yes. So, Jay, when was this game released? It was released in Japan, February 9th, 1988. I just wanted to stress 1988. That's, it was released in North America in February of 1988. That's 35 years ago. Yeah, it's old. How? Still not as old as we are. No. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. And then it was on PAL. Uh, December 28th of 1990. In classic PAL fashion, they received it two and a half years later, and it was named... It was named... I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Pro... <laughs> Probotector. That is correct. Probotector. That You've got it. sounds really hard. looks and really hard to say. We'll get a little... We'll get into why in a little bit when we get into a little bit about the regional differences. So... You want to tell me some gameplay and story info? Yeah, I lifted a page from the manual. I'm going to tell you that... This game was originally an arcade game, and its original premise in the arcade, and I maybe even in the Famicom version, I can't remember, is that it was supposed to take place in like the 27th century, like 2633 AD or whatever. But I think they have some cooler guns in that point. They rewrote it. Yeah. They rewrote it for the NES. So I took this right from the manual. Buckle up because this is going to probably take a good 60 to 90 seconds to read. I never unbuckled earlier. Yeah, you're still buckled. You're oh, good. Yes, I am. We need a bl- buckling first, noise. My friend. Yeah, we need the buckling noise. So from the manual, this is a little bit about the story of Contra. In 1957, a large object from outer space crashed into Earth's Amazon basin near ruins of the lost Mayan civilization. Scientists worldwide heralded the incident as a trivial cosmic occurrence, and thus the collision was soon forgotten. Now, 30 years later, 1987... Rumors of an evil force have swept into the Pentagon's front office, and tales from frightened villagers of a hideous being with an army of alien henchmen are sending chills down the spines of top military brass. Unwilling to upset current political stability, an all-out assault on the region has been overruled, and instead, two of America's most cunning, courageous, and ruthless soldiers from the Special Forces Elite Commando Squad have been selected to seek out and destroy these alien intruders. Congratulations, pal. You're one of the chosen. But before you take pride in being the best, be warned. You're about to come face to face against Red Falcon, the cruelest life form in the galaxy. He arrived on Earth 30 years ago. That's six months time in an alien's life. 
to establish a foothold from which he will attempt to conquer our world and then use it as a stepping stone towards his ultimate fiendish goal, domination of the entire universe. Needless to say, playing hero won't be easy. But you have no choice. You must be a hero. Because if you fail, life as we know it will cease to exist and the vile Red Falcon will rule forever. If you succeed, well, it doesn't matter because I doubt you will. Thanks for the vote of encouragement, Konami. Ask a question on that. Sure. So the Pentagon's front office got tales from frightened villagers. What fucking village (laughs) are we talking about? Not the citizens of, like, the country, the villagers. Uh, I don't know, one of those villages in Manhattan that people are always talking about? A bunch of fucking pilgrims showing up at the fucking Pentagon? (laughs) Amish people in carts. We were... We're scared of the Red Falcon. We were tilling our corn and the Red Falcon came. Yeah, they didn't want to upset those political situations. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, exactly. So, Jay, tell me a little bit more about the gameplay and story here. Around the villagers or just... Yeah, why don't we both kind of do this? We'll, We'll talk about villagers. We'll talk about a lot of stuff. Okay. Go ahead. So it's a run and gun platform. It's got some vertical and horizontal scrolling, as well as some 3D elements. Kinda simulated 3D elements, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. They give you that top down where you're tiptoeing to shoot the that's, little that's, orbs at the end. That's correct. So there's eight levels, or Red Falcons eight lines of defense, each with their own boss. Mm-hmm. You got the jungle, which is side scrolling. Yep. You've got base one, which is 3D style, where right. you tiptoe to shoot. Yep. You've got the waterfall, which is vertical scrolling. Which is a big pain in the ass when you're playing this game cooperatively because you can kill your asshole friends. Oh, yeah. I think I did that a number of times playing with you. You did. Okay. Um, You got base two, which is 3D style. You got the snow field, which is side scrolling, which you got. You'll be back on that one. Yeah, the rest of the four are side scrolling. What are they? Energy zone. You got the hangar zone. And then, of course, the end, which is the alien's lair. Yep. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And you defeat the alien to, to win the game. It is two-player co-op. Which I think, and we'll talk about this in personal experiences and the rating, but I think that's a big part of the allure of this game is it was a very fun, easy-to-control game where you and your friend could play together. It was almost more fun playing together with this game. Oh, yeah. I enjoy it in single-player mode. I played, probably played it 10 times more often, at least, in single-player. But this was definitely a game that you and your friend could both play at the same time. And then the, you get three lives and three continues. Mm-hmm. So you get the three and three. And you start with a basic gun. You can shoot on an angle. It's kind of tricky to do, but you can shoot on an angle, I, up or down. I thought it was cool in this game that, like, again, we're talking about not the beginnings of, maybe like the second true wave of games coming out for the yeah. NES in, in North America. And you have the ability to, like, your level of control with your your player and also where you shot was like, you could shoot down, you could jump up and shoot down, you could yeah. shoot straight up, you could shoot on an angle. It was just kind of, it was cool. It was it was a dif- different level of control than I was used to in a game like that at that point. Yes. So, yep. um, it had unlimited am- ammo that can be powered up, and the power-ups are called Falcon Symbols. Do you want to go over con- some of the specifics on those? Yeah. The what Falcon a- Symbols? Well, what, first of all, let me ask you, why are these things floating around like to help you? No one else seems to be interested in shooting these things to acquire, like, powered-up guns. And it, they are Falcon symbols. That is part of the, the horrible faction that these dickheads are all working for, right? Maybe Red Falcon was like, you know what? I'm so good. 
I'll even give them some shit. <laughs> Here you and go. I'll still beat them. Good luck, fuckers. So, yes, the Falcon, Falcon symbols. There are, what, seven of them? Something like that, I think, here? Seven. There's, they all have letters. So, like, there's, there's two ways, three ways, actually, you can obtain these Falcon symbols, these power-ups. Mm-hmm. One is the flying capsules that kind of come across the screen, this wavy pattern, right? You yeah. have to shoot them with your gun, and, and then out comes this Falcon symbol that each has its own individual letter I'll get to. Then there are what they call the pillbox sensors in the manual. Those are the ones that are like mounted to the side of the cliff or wall that you shoot, right? Like they're, they open and close and you shoot them and they, they pop out of there. And then the other way is if you, in those bases, those simulated 3D levels, the guards in the red uniforms also will provide them if you shoot them, right? And then the, the seven types of symbols you can get are the machine gun falcon, which is the M, the laser falcon, which is the L, Fireball Falcon, which is the F. Rapid Fire Falcon, which augments your weapon, whether it's just your base weapon or any of your other weapons. The Rapid is kind of like an add-on. It's the only one that kind of you can upgrade, and then it augments the upgrade, if you will. Yeah. The Force Field Falcon, which is the B, which allows you to be invincible, right? You can run around and be invincible. There's like a shining version that doesn't have a letter on it, the little Falcon, and that is the Mass Destruction Falcon, they've dubbed it. Kills everything on the screen. And then there's the only... The real, the best, the true weapon of the game. The OP, death to all, spread gun Falcon, S. If you're going to play this game, that is the gun to have. This is, th- this is the coup de gras of weapons and Falcon symbols in the game. And you can augment it with the rapid fire. So you can get the S, then the R, and then you're really fucking some people up. Because that gun kills fucking everything. That is the you get that thing, you do not want to die. The no. end. And you shouldn't. So, all right. Yeah, the game, like I talked about a little bit before, it was originally set in 27th century Galuga Ar- Archipelago. Archipelago? Archipelago. Archipelago. Yeah, I couldn't say it either earlier. I'll fuck up all the Japanese names. I'll hammer that one. Yeah, already. okay. So, <laughs> yeah, the 27th century Galuga Archipelago. But they modified the story like I talked about and we talked about in the manual there to put it in the present-day Amazon jungle. And uh, a couple of other NES changes that they made in the manual were the, the character names. Their names are Bill Riser and Lance Bean. Those two guys that you see on the cover are Bill and Lance. But in the manual, they call them Mad Dog and Scorpion. <laughs> Can we change our names to Mad Dog and Scorpion? I'm the Scorpion. No, I'm down. I'll be Mad Dog. I'm from the desert. <laughs> I'll be Mad Dog. So. So Scorpion. Yeah, so Mad Dog, tell me a little bit about the background and development of this game. Okay, Scorpion. We're going to do this for the rest of the show. Yeah, Falcon did fuck up when he included the spread shot. I get that you're, like, trying to be a cocky bitch, but, man, you really were just like, here, destroy everything, please. Maybe one of his henchmen were like, oh, that's all you're going to give him? That's it? You're going to give him a machine gun? He goes, well, fuck it. I'll give him a spread gun. Yeah. Then. How about this oh, thing? Oh, yeah, I bet you will. No, I will. Let him rapid it, too. Yeah, let's, let's see. see. Let's see what they can yeah, do. Like I bet they gonna, can't do shit. Like they're ever going to get to the heart of the alien on stage eight yeah. in the lair. <laughs> Idiots. Anyway. <laughs> Mad Dog, tell me a little bit about the background and development of this game. So it was, of course, developed and published by Konami. Mm-hmm. Um, it was originally an arcade game released in 1987. Yeah. And it was one of the four highest grossing arcade games in the U.S. in 1987. Quiz time. Oh, shit. Quiz time. What were 
the other three highest grossing games in the U.S. in 1987, according to some list I found on Wikipedia. And you're gonna fucking ask me to, damn it! I'm, I'm gonna, gonna give I'm gonna give the chat a little bit of a chance at this one too. Okay, give them five, ten seconds. There's three. You might be able to pick one off. Let's see, what we get. You want me to give a minute, or you want me to go ahead? And start no, you go ahead. You you go. Eighty-seven. Um, think about it for a minute. I'm gonna give you a hint. One of them was developed by Technos. That's not giving me a hint. I still won't figure if it out. If you paid attention to our episode just two weeks ago, one fortnight ago, I can't believe you don't know it. No, nope, I don't remember Mario that. Mario Bros. is not correct. John asked that and mentioned that in Ninja the chat. Ninja Gaiden? Nope. Ninja Gaiden? Sorry. Ninja Gaiden, no. Double Dragon? Yes. Yes. Kalen picked Kaylin's up on the hint. I know. <laughs> I was trying to think. I'm like, what's the last episode we did? My, my other hints are, one is a first-party Sega-developed arcade game from the era. And the other was a Tengen game with a very tall, slender protagonist. A very tall, slender protagonist. Yep. And I bet you someone in the chat will get it here shortly. Thank you, Kevin. Are you ready for me to just give them to you? Yeah, just give them to me. We're taking up too much time. Outrun. And what's the last one on that list? Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder. Those Kalen's were the other. tearing it up in yep. the chat. Well, he got the hint. He's, he's picking up on the context clues. Oh, I've never you, played Rolling Thunder. You need to study the library a little bit deeper. Yeah, I haven't done that. Yeah, I know. So, anyway, keep Maybe going. Maybe I should start right. collecting something. You know what? I'm going to talk about this part. Let's go. So, this game, I think, and for me and my friends, and I think most people's experience in the, of the era would say, this is the game that popularized the Konami code. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. Great code, unless you think it's some fucking hipster bullshit. <laughs> Now, <laughs> that'll come back to bite me so much so that we called it the Contra code. That code in this game gave you 30 lives. You start with three, but you get 30 yeah. with that code. And man, it was useful. That's all I can say. So, but yeah, that code, ironically, this was not the first time the code was used. It was actually used in Gradius the first time in 1986 for the arcade game. And it was created by Kazuhisha Hashimoto. That code was really there to help playtest the game for the playtesters because they felt like it was going to be too difficult to get through for the arcade for Gradius, right? Yeah. And then they wound up leaving it in accidentally when the code went to production, and they did not, and this is something our good friend, Mr. Chiaramonte, will understand, uh -huh. did not want to remove that code once it's gone to production because you might break something. You could introduce a new bug or issue by pulling something, oh, a line of code, code out. out. Yeah. So you're, they just kind of left it in, and then you know the rest is history. So much so that, like, for example, when I bought this sign right here, which the listeners of the podcast can see, but this Welcome to Silent Hill sign came from Konami's official art shop, right? They send it in a package, and on the outside of the package, it has a visual display of that code. It's inside the shirts. Like, the, I bought oh, yeah. a shirt, and it's the tag of the shirt has that code. So they've, they've really embraced that. Of all the things that they fucked up over the past 20 years, one of the things that they have done is their marketing for that is, is pretty good. So I'll give them that. So, Jay, talk to me a little bit about the regional differences of this game, right? We have the we have the U.S. version, which we talked about. There's the Famicom version represented there with the very Star Wars-esque art mm -hmm. on it, right? And then there's the Probotector PAL version. So, yes. so for Famicom, of course, they had more cutscenes and story, which was actually kind of interesting because they have, like, the guys whether it's mad dog or scorpion with a walkie talkie holding a gun knelt down. They're like metal gear type yeah. looking 
cutscenes. And they have some text on it, but of course it's in Japanese. Right. So we didn't know what, what yeah. it was saying. But um, there's also some other cool pieces to it too that are very subtle. But it's got more environmental effects. So like snow on the snow field um, and the trees sway in the jungle, which yeah. is kind of neat. We never, we watched a playthrough of it and we're like, oh, hey, look at that. It is kind of different. Those kinds of things are so weird to me. It's like watching the Japanese version of like The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Remember I said, watch this. It's going to screw you up. Oh, yeah. And I turned it on. Here comes the logo. And, it, and all of a sudden it shows like the Japanese logo. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. It just, it doesn't. It, it just like destroys everything that you believe to be real. <laughs> so it was it was similar to that. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, um, there's also a longer ending. So on the U.S. version, <laughs> it just shows the helicopter flying off the island. On this one, it actually shows Mad Dog or Scorpion left their keys in the fucking helicopter for the entire run. <laughs> it's running. And they jump in the driver's seat of this helicopter. In the cockpit. Yeah. yeah. And then they fly off. So it's like, OK. Yep um and, yeah a big i what I, i'll talk about this part because i know yeah. it's a little weird but so they did that on purpose because japanese developers like third-party developers were allowed to use their own custom memory mappers when it came to making nes games or famicom games as it were in, in japan and they wouldn't really let you do that in the u.s um and, and what that did is it kind of stripped some of the features that were required to be able to replicate that on the nes cart and they had to modify the game because of it yeah. so that's why you kind of got the more limited version was the that custom memory mapper was not available to u.s audiences and that's what you're talking about where they had the well actually it's because of the bs2 memory mapper okay stop it there is actually a map too yes, which is kind of is like none. it's like a castlevania style map where it's like you're in this section and it kind of pans over the whole map of where you're going and i was like wow this and of course I've had the cart now since John came up a couple of months ago to drop yeah. it off and I haven't played it but I need to because <laughs> that seems really cool man. Anyway, tell me about Probotector. What's the deal with Probotector, Jay? So really, the biggest difference with that is it's all human-based sprites were replaced with robo robot type characters to abide by Germany censorship laws around violence in video games sold to minors. Yeah, they couldn't show like human beings being massacred right which it, yes. which absolutely happens in contra yeah or pro doesn't happen in probotector though because they're all robots they fooled you up good in they germany did. but but anyway yeah so probotector is a pretty popular game it's actually a fairly well uh, regarded game in europe as well as from what i can tell people just genuinely like it which it's basically the same gameplay it's just a little bit different looking so yeah now i want to talk a little bit about the box art for the Let's u.s go. the north american version the box art, and I'm, I'm going to have to use a visual here for for the viewing audience, right? If you've ever seen the box art of Contra, the North American silver Konami box, right? That picture was drawn by Bob Wacklin or Wakelin. I guess Bob Wakelin, mm -hmm. right? He's a he's a European artist. And if you look at the art, okay, and this is a poor representation, but Bill. Bill's the guy on the left with the flat top, right? That's supposed to be Bill. And Lance is the guy on the right. I'm going to take this up to the camera. Yeah, take, take that up to the camera and kind of show it to the camera as we talk about this. Because I would say that Bill is an homage, if you will, okay, of Arnold Schwarzenegger in Predator. And by homage, I mean direct ripoff with different hair and a fa different face, right? It's literally the same pose from the movie, right? And then... Our friend on the right there, Lance, 
looks like Sonny Landham, who played Billy in Predator. I think they kind of tried to make him look like Sylvester Stallone and Rambo and all that good stuff, too. But that's what he looks like. And then finally, look at the alien in the middle of that. Bring it over to the right. There we go. It's hard to see. I know people watching at home. What does that look like? It looks like Alien. The whole thing is a giant ripoff. But that's how they made video games back in the day. <laughs> Casey Munchkin is is a not a derivative work of Pac-Man or whatever the hell it is. So anyway, just it's an interesting a, thing about the box art I thought was uh, funny that especially that Schwarzenegger thing. I'm just like, it's the same pose. It's the same gun. <laughs> nice drawing, Bill. Bob, whatever your name is. Anyway. Who's Mad Dog and who's Scorpion, though? You know what? That's a good question. I think Scorpion is Lance. So Arnold Schwarzenegger. Maybe. Okay. Whichever one it is, I don't care. I could say that. I like Billy. Billy had that big uh, Gatlin gun in Predator. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should have had one of those in the game. Shit. <laughs> you, you got the spread weapon. What more do you want? Uh, touche. All right. So, Jay, let's talk a little bit about the reception of this game. The game ranks very highly and is revered very highly on most people's lists of like best NES games of all time. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about the things we always do here. You know, the Polygon, the Nintendo Power Game Formula, all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you, Polygon was fucking up. Top 500 games of all time, Polygon left this one off the list. Yep. I don't know how you do that. Oh. I, I mean. Were there any Contra games on, the, on Polygon? I think Contra 3 was there. Contra, Contra 3 Hardcore okay. for like Genesis or a Super Nintendo, right? But other than that, no. And that's a good game. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just like, come on. So original Contra. And Super C could have been there because I didn't search for Super. I searched for Contra, but, yeah. you know, come on. So anyway, fuck them. <laughs> now, Nintendo Power's Top 100 Games of All Time, Issue 100, 1997, September. September 1997. This game ranked number 52. That's that's pretty good. Middle of the road for the top 100? That's yeah. Pretty good. It's on the board, man. Yeah. It's right there in the middle. And it was bookended by Mortal Kombat 2 at 53, which I believe was for the Super Nintendo. I'm sure it was for the Nintendo Power Magazine. And then Golf for the NES. I don't know if I would place Golf in front of Contra. But whatever. It was, it was the 90s, man. Anything was possible. Now, tell me about Nintendo Power's top 200 games nine years later. So that issue came out in February of 2006. And that one, they ranked at number 57. So it actually, hypothetically, went actually got better. I would say overall you have to perceive that as being better. Yes. And uh, <laughs> it was bookended. Odd bookends. This one made me laugh. It was Madden NFL 2005. Which For the was GameCube, which it was, was specified. Which was number 58. Yep. And The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening. Yep. Number 56. But yeah, Madden NFL 2005. That's a really interesting. Link's game. Awakening makes sense. It was it was 2006, man. That game hadn't been out that long. It was revolutionary, I guess, for the GameCube. I don't know. I would say this. I don't think it ranks that high now. <laughs> uh -huh. I don't think Madden 2005 was revolutionary and probably is not uh, number 58 on any list. Maybe the no number 58 on the top Madden games of all time. <laughs> anyway, all right. Go on. <laughs> For a game informer, top 100 games of all time. That one came out in 2001. Mm -hmm. Ranked at 13. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, and look what it's between. It's bookended by Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Banger. And then uh, last but not least, uh, 
Actually, I shouldn't say last, but not no, least. No, you're last right. Last out of this group. Game Informer Top 200 Games of All Time. That came out in 2009. So eight years later. It's ranked at 22. Again, yeah. I know that's it's 22. It was 13 on the top 100, but 200, it's 22. That's a pretty good sitting still. After eight years of games, including things like, I don't know, Half-Life 2 and stuff yeah. coming out. And it's like, yeah, still up there. You're just outside the top 10% of the, of, uh, of yeah. the total. Yeah, you're so right that's there. that's pretty good. No, I'd agree. Um, it was bookended by Galaga, number 23, mm-hmm. and my number one, Super Metroid, number 21. Yep. And, and you could. And then uh, EGM, or Electronic Gaming Monthly, uh, it was Video Game of the Year in 1988. I think that's interesting, because isn't that also the year that Super Mario Brothers 2 came out? Yeah, fuck Super Mario Brothers 2. I'd be like, fuck Super Mario Brothers 2. Contra is what's up. That's right. Billy and Lance. Mad Dog and Scorpion. Mad Dog and Scorpion. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so there was a direct sequel for this game released on the NES, Super C, which came out in 1990 in the U.S. Yes. A uh, very good game as well. Mm-hmm. I would I would say is very good. This is the 10th best-selling Konami franchise of all time, Contra is. Despite its uh, ebbs and flows from a quality perspective, because some of the games in this series are not very good. Take... Contra Force, for example, or the last release of, in the franchise, which was Contra Rogue Cores, which came out in 2019 to what we would say are middling reviews. And it's available on all modern platforms if you're so inclined. I'm, I'm guessing nobody wants to know what platforms. <sighs> it's all of them, unfortunately. <laughs> anyway. All right. Time to move into the LG and game ratings. It's that time. Let's give our friend John, retro game enthusiast, a call. All right. Jesus, is this live? What's going on? It's that time. It's time for Mr. Famicom Box himself. Once again, because Tyler makes me call him that. The barbecue king of Kansas City. Sauce is the boss. John Young. Mr. Young. I'm uh, I'm more of a Tom Waits fan than the boss fan, but the sauce of the boss? I don't know. I'll this, take it. This, I don't know. If I this, said the sauce is the boss. The sauce is the boss. Oh, okay. Good, good. That that, you're you're the sauce, John. That's way better. Okay. I get it. So I'm, I'm the boss's sauce. Yes. You're okay, the... Well, how are you, John? I'm pretty good. How about good. you guys? We're good. Good, good. Yep. Looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks. Yep. Yeah. Very much yeah, so. Looking forward to it. We're, uh, I think I mentioned this several times now, but uh, we'll be up Thursday night. So, Where are you staying yeah. Thursday night? Are you staying at the same hotel as the venue? Yeah, it's just the, the one with the crosswalk. City Center and all that. We might. I might just do that. Then we could be parked there. and it's Yeah, we'll see. Anyway. We'll go inside that. Yeah, we'll decide. So speaking of the Midwest Gaming Classic, I know Mike alluded earlier that anybody that says buy me Bone Storm or go to hell is going to get 10% off anything off the, t- off the LJN table. Um, he mentioned that you also might have something promotional. A special, yes, a promotion. Yes. Did you uh, want to talk about that, John? 90%, 90% off anything on Mike's table if you say, uh, hey, Mike's not looking. So they call that the J. Hale special. <laughs> it's not 90% off. Everything's $4. <laughs> And 25 cents. 25 cents. That's right. 
it's all three point five dollars in honor of our good friend Valder who could not attend. <laughs> no, yeah, Actually, so, no uh, I, I have fifty copies of Super Mario Brothers three that I don't know what to do with for the Famicom. When I was buying up all those lots, Super Mario Brothers one for some reason always there would be a couple of Super Mario Brothers threes, and uh, figured I'd give them, uh, bring them with me, and then give them out while we're there at the table. So. But there's there's a qualifier that you must do in order to get a free Super Mario Brothers three for Famicom from you. What is that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to leave a bad review of the LGN. No, no, sorry, a good review of the LGN podcast. I don't know which. What, did we decide on something? Can we can we go for the positive review? Yes, positive review. So okay. if you leave a bad review, if uh, you we will not give you a copy. If you leave us a five star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever it is that you use. We will provide you a free copy while supplies last. Now, does that does that include Kalen? Of course. Okay. I mean, if hey, look, if, if Kalen wants it, Kalen gets it, baby. If he right. leaves me a, a nice review, and he can prove it, yeah. And you got to be able to prove it. You can't just say you did it. You're going to show us. Actually, I, they right? need to give us their username and password so we can log in and prove <laughs> yes. it's there. Yes, and any right. personally identifiable information as well. What is your I, I like- grandmother's maiden name? <laughs> Anyway, go I ahead. like the idea of uh, Kalen not committing. Well, I don't know, guys. I mean, it's a pretty good podcast. My reviews are my you know, bond. I can't just, you know. I, yeah, I can't just hand out fives. You guys, you got to earn a five, and you haven't. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> anyway, so. Speaking ha- of fives. Yes. Yeah, speaking of fives, high five. <laughs> Have you been buying anything, sir? Not a ton. I got a couple of coffee mugs. Pretty excited about those, although I'm trying to cut back on coffee. I did get the uh, Octopath Traveler 2 Collector's Edition. Nice. Which, uh, how about this gem? If anything, Square Enix and other companies are really trying to get me to stop buying Collector's Edition. Because inside the box, Square did a great job of packing. They do a much better job of GameStop. But inside of the box was a loose retail copy of uh, Octopath Traveler. And then a shoebox of stuff that I never want to look at. They're really trying to get out of the physical media game, I feel like. Yeah, and, and Square's Square's really good with the uh, collector's editions. They're also really good at just putting a bunch of crap in, um, including the uh, I don't remember what it was called, but the Final Fantasy VII remake collector's edition that was like three hundred bucks, and all you got was like some not quite amazing, you know, uh, cloud on a motorcycle that doesn't fit in anybody's living space. I'm surprised so, it wasn't just jammed with NFTs. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Uh, if I were a game developer and I was going to release a game, the collector's edition for Switch would just have a manual inside the case. That's all you need. That's perfect. I mean, that's like, I agree. Like, oh, here's a book. Oh, what a novel concept. That's the collector's edition because it has a book. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, and just think about it. All those collectors like, oh, this one's not complete in box because it doesn't have the manual. It was limited to a thousand people that got this collector's edition. I can't get that reg card anymore. It's $500. Damn you, Square. Yeah. So I I really enjoyed the first game. The story was kind of, yeah, but it was a really good uh, game for my wife and I to play through. We like that 16-bit style. Yeah. Uh, RPG and uh, pretty much I would just grind uh, while we're watching a TV show and then we would play through the normal characters which she would play through and then I just play the bosses yep and uh, if anybody's played the Bravely Default games um, it's the same people Um, there's a real they do the RPG elements really 
it, it you can do the just keep tapping a and get through the battle type situation yeah but there's a deeper strat, uh, strategy to how it's set up and that you get this special move token for every time you don't use a special move and then you can use multiples in like the right scenarios so there is actually kind of a cool strategy if you want to play in a more complicated game and there's a ton of there's a, a post-game boss that you really kind of have to like think through how you're going to attack him so yeah um, if i have time to do that i will play it i just haven't really found where i'm going to do that i've been playing breath of the wild lately because you're getting prepped i am yeah yeah um i'm about uh i have 13 hearts and two full stamina bars so i need to go get that master sword um playing through the master quest so yeah I've enjoying been it playing it myself as well okay what i know well, i was running around picking up swift violet yesterday because i needed to upgrade my armor Oh uh, yeah, I get that. No, I'm over in the that. the bog there on those giant like mushroom plants, just like climbing those. What a pain in the ass those things are. Anyway, okay. <laughs> if anybody uh, wants to talk about Link's Awakening, like, what's what's the Link's Awakening? I started playing that, Link's Awakening. That, I'm being okay, smart. is that Breath of the Wild too? Yeah, no, that's the one. Tears okay. of the Awakening. Okay, yeah, no, that sounds good. Spoiler alert. No. So, John, have you played any other games? I have a little bit of a sports story, a sequel to golf story. So mostly sequels right now, mm-hmm. but I assume what you're getting at is uh, Contra for the Famicom. That is correct. I played it. It's been many years since I've been able to beat that game with three lives and I tried and I failed and I'm like, all right, I'll do the 30 live code. And then uh, also failed. Um, I, get impatient, <laughs> man. I don't have that useful exuberance to get back that. to. You then know, I did it with the 30 lives code and also failed. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. That made no, me laugh. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those games where you have to have the patience and then just be like, the best thing to do is have a buddy sit next to you. Be like, it's no big deal. You got to be patient. And then you actually are patient. But when you're just sitting there by yourself, you're like, nah, I'll just blow through this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Chompers. And then you die 30 times. And you're like, what happened? It's like when you see you've got those three little medals up in the top left. You know, you're good. And then all of a sudden you died so many times. There's only two. And you're like, oh, my God, I only have two guys left. How did I blow through 28 guys? (laughs) Well, uh, that's that's the beauty of these games. And that's where uh, especially arcade games during that time. And, you know, like uh, NES games in general, like that, like anxiety over like i was doing so good i was in a moment of zen and then all of a sudden like you know i do something stupid and it just off kilter and then you're like oh well i had three guys or four guys now i'm going to like you know uh do two stupid things Mm -hmm. and it's like you go from being uh doing perfectly to feeling like you're behind so that level of anxiety is what people are trying to regain from a dark souls game and I get it, but it's also, you know, it's transposed onto like a bigger system. And so it does change a bit. And even those, you know, there's some grinding that you can get through stuff. It's not like you're going to have to go back like, nope, you, you know, lost all your lives twice. You're out of continues. Sorry. Game yeah. over. But no, what I love about Contra and uh, it makes sense that uh, you said Double Dragon was in arcades at the same time. Mm hmm. There's those elements between the games, even though they were developed separately, they uh, have those similar elements, the little chompers, kind of like the, the level structure. 
What I love about Contra is is that it's got a little bit of that like Sega Master System quality in like they're changing up the styles of levels mm-hmm. a little more, which you know Nintendo obviously did foyer into, but wasn't as common. And it's got a little bit of that PC game feel too, with like now we're going to run down a hallway, you know, from the TV screen forward in a, a different view. That's the kind of thing that really kind of got played around with. It didn't seem like a Nintendo thing. It was ambitious, and you might as well... A lot of games couldn't even get, like, one style of run-and-gun right. So to try a couple really was ambitious. But, you know, level design is interesting. The bosses... uh, I always find these bosses very nostalgic and very, like, unique to Contra. But when you play them, I'm realizing like, oh, well, this is just a truck that slowly comes at you with a bunch of spikes on the front of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, one of the things Jay and I talked about earlier was we were watching a run through of like Super C, right? Jay kind of got tired of watching mm-hmm. the, the speed runs of Contra. And then there's, it's that kind of that uh, vertically scrolling uh, jungle level, right? Level three, I think. And okay. and isn't it the boss of, I can't remember if it's the boss of that one. no. In, in Super C, there are those characters that, like, run out and then they jump down at you and the wings come out, right? Yeah. Like, but they're mm-hmm. in Super C as well. I'm like, where have I seen those before? Well, they were in Contra. So they're in one of those boss levels where, those, yeah, those those unique characters like you're talking about. And, okay, you know, of course, it's a game they made two years later, the same series. Of, no problem u- reusing assets, but it's definitely unique to those those games. So, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. But like yeah, your, it, you know, your point is like, uh, you're really just shooting a dot. <laughs> <laughs> well, even Ninja Gaiden, that seems to have like a similar kind of feel to yeah. It's like they, they all have that little bit of like influence between them. And some of the aspects of that gameplay is just dead now. Well, there's there's one boss in Contra where it almost seems like, uh, oh, what's the name of the brain in the guy's stomach in the Teenage Ninja Turtles? Uh, Kang? Krang. Krang. Yeah, Krang. Krang. Oh, there we go. There's even a boss in Contra that's like, I'm pretty sure this is just a like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles asset, you know, that's been reused. But no, it's uh, it's it's a decently balanced game. Unfortunately, uh, it does have the arcade feel still where it's like if you don't know how to get through a section, you're going to have to like die a couple of times trying, which sucks when you got three lives. And so it, it is a little crushing and it does kind of lack in the areas that modern roguelikes have really kind of excelled at. So mm-hmm. Celeste is a game that I talk about a lot that everybody loves. Even though that one is brutally hard, it's just so easy to reset and get back in and be like, I'm just going to try a couple more times. Mm-hmm. Whereas Contra, it's like, no, you, uh, your buddy went too fast. So he killed you. So that ruined your sleepover. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there was a fight that broke out because of it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway um and, and i honestly i can't remember i think that you can steal lives in this one i think it's something like uh you can uh, you can that? so if you if, oh. you if you're playing a two-player and the second player runs out of lives he can hit start and he can steal one of your lives the, the reason i know that is not only from using doing it myself from over jay. the course of many years yes exactly from jay but also <laughs> it's part of the speed run for any player any percent two player is that one of the things you must do is complete the game with two players. And if one of the other players loses all their lives, they must steal one of the lives of the other player immediately and come back in. Otherwise the run is, is null and void. 
So, so it, as if you didn't think your sleepover was already on pins and needles, uh, the fact that the <laughs> stealing guy that came over to play your game is now like stealing your lives as well, or the little brother. Oh. There is a bit of an issue with entry on this game in that even with the 30 lives, somebody who hasn't played it before will get brutally crushed. That's um, correct. I well, We had... Boy, I believe it was Harrison and our friend Andrew one time came over to play this game. Oh, no, I remember what it was. It was Harrison and Lula, his girlfriend, and they played it and they got absolutely wrecked immediately. And I was like, oh, my God, you losers move over. And then we beat the game in like 12 minutes. It was like, what are you doing? How could how could you be so poor at this? And then I realized they'd never played it and didn't understand anything about it. So it was you know, it's pretty funny anyway. Yeah, like the ideal, like if you're looking for a new buddy in town and you invite a friend over, a, a new friend, and you guys start playing Contra and he doesn't fall down on the bridge, you know, in that first level, you're like, all right, this guy's all right. We yeah. can hang out. All right, he made it. He knew when to jump. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't just fall in and didn't know what the hell to do and then got shot by one of those jackasses. Exactly. He had the spread <laughs> shot and he decided to pick up that yeah. uh, wobbly one. What's yeah. wrong with him? Yeah. Um, he, somehow he drowned. <laughs> like, yeah. How did you drown in Contra? Uh, you just really suck, I guess. So, all right. So, John, my so, question with that if you were to is, give a score from a okay. one to a five on 0.5 increments, where would you grade it? So, I, I feel like Mike has some sort of like secret way of letting you know that I've gone on for too long to remind me about the scoring system. I just I wanted to know. know what your score is because I, I put down what I think it is and I, I want you to prove okay. me wrong, but I, I feel I, like you might not. I should okay. come up with one of those, but I don't have one. So I, I kind of gone back and forth on this. I'm not sure if I have like a bit of Stockholm syndrome or it's like, you know, uh, something that you do that's fun, but took way too much time to learn how to do as a child. Like, I don't know, play the clarinet or whatever people do where you're like, I enjoy doing this now, but I would never put myself through that again. Mm-hmm. So, man, I don't know. I'm going to go with a wild 4.0 just because I want to score it a little lower so that I have something to say that I should have done a 4.5 with. It's a very high 4.0 for me. All right. I picked 4.5 for you. Okay. I I told Jay if anybody was going to give it a 4.5, I thought it would be you. I really did. So that's good. 4.0 is good. And then he said if anybody gave it a 1.5, it would be me. (laughs) <laughs> That's true. I, I love the game and I feel like I like it to a 4.5 level but if I'm thinking about it in like the pantheon of games and then also even for somebody who has played it but never got to play a ton of it like let's say you never got past the uh, the vertical scrolling level uh, was it was third yes I feel like it's passed you by like you're just not gonna like have a great time playing it without like game genie or whatever yeah Famicom game uh, version better. That's it. I agree. All right. So yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's. Uh, I, I think Jay was telling me to wrap it up. So here comes the wrap it up button. I think here it comes, John. <laughs> you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Thanks, buddy. I'll see you in a few weeks. Actually, I'll talk right. to you next week. Yeah. yeah, exciting. There it is. Four in the books. John Young, the sauce. It's the the boss. boss of the sauce. The sauce boss. I can't call. No, you can't call him the sauce boss. Epic meal time. I think he. I think he holds the rights to that. So he's the boss of sauce. John Young, everybody, retro game enthusiast.
So next on our list, our friend Robbie Coleman. Mm-hmm. He's awaiting our call. So I'm going to give him a ring. Yes. Right now. I don't think uh, Tyler liked that 4.0. I don't think Tyler liked that 4.0 either. I don't blame him. I'm not going to lie. You upset about that? I'm not upset about it. Everybody has their opinion. Why is it when I have my opinion, everybody freaks out? I, buddy, you and me both. <laughs> you ready? <laughs> there, let me give him a call. Hold on. Hey. Hey. <laughs> it's the one and only mustache king of Chicago. Our friend, your friend, our best friend, one of them. 8-Bit Supremacy, Robbie, come on, everybody. I almost went in for the second on bad there, but I pumped the brakes. Damn, dude. Single on bad today. How you doing, Robbie? I'm all right. How you boys doing? Doing good. I understand your battery's dying, so we should expect that... uh, you know, this could be a potentially a short call. <laughs> it's not dying. I just don't want it to be one of those long episodes before I get to me. Yeah, me either. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. so what do you rate this game on a one to five scale? <laughs> All right. Bye. Anyway, that would be pretty awesome. You should play Stevie Wonder when, when you call someone next time. I just so called Jay, I heard you were in my neck of the woods recently. I was. Didn't even drop me a line. What the fuck, man? I I thought you were coming out with Nick, and he said you were a slave to the man. <laughs> He's right about that. <laughs> he did say that. He I did was, say that. I was a slave to the man. No, he actually came to my work while I was working, so I was kind of tied up. I was tied up. I. Uh, so you were a slave to the man. Yeah, next trip, because I, I went down. I was all over. I was in Batavia. Mm, that was far from yeah. Deerfield and Northbrook. Wow. I was staying in Schaumburg, so I was kind of all over the place. But I'll be back. Yeah, I, I, was like hoping I come, come out about Logan. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I come. I'm going to be out there. I with work. I come out about every about every six weeks. Hey, I I specifically got the War Gods cabinet all shopped out and nice and ready for you at the Logan Arcade, and you didn't even fucking come by. Oh, I'm going to be there next time. Next time I come out, we're going to play some War Gods. Play some War Gods. Got to break that oh, 3D no. button in. You got the collection of them when you went out, didn't you? From that, yeah, from that one dude. dude? Two fresh 3d buttons in there there we go we got to break them in <laughs> gotta get yeah. through them so yeah uh where'd mike go it's just you now huh it is just me he's grabbing a water i'm back don't worry see he's back all right you can pretty all much right. hear what you're saying anyway all the way across the room but yes robbie next time i'm in town we'll hang out all right i promise yeah. march 31st <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go march 30th actually then. oh man we're gonna have a good time so but it, actually nick kept hit me up that day being like dude you gotta come out and meet up with jay and i just said kept saying jay's dead to me because it was, it was <laughs> oh yeah he sent me a, double dragon three episode it was in the like, wake of episode yeah, 41 he sent me a screenshot of that i forgot about that <laughs> that <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> jay who jay dead yep, man right. yeah i know him exactly used to exactly. by the way shout out to jason clevenger clevman had my back today when you posted the ratings for those games Clevman was like right up, right in line with me, and he's like, "Fuck yeah, that's a four. That's what I would have given it." I refrained from responding to you. I know <laughs> it's it's good that you're. We don't uh, want to have another fiery episode, do we? It's it's, it's nice we'll that wait you're, till the ratings go down. It's nice that you're being backed by a deranged lunatic like Jason. 
<laughs> <laughs> I love Jason. That's not true. I mean, he would probably say he is, and I would agree, but uh, no, we love him anyway. Uh, yeah. So, I have a so, question for you. Sure. Did you play this game? You guys are in for a treat, because I actually played this fucking game before we were talking about it here on this podcast. Oh, I... shit! <laughs> <laughs> I want that to be my ringtone. <laughs> the reason I played it is because I've finally done fucking moving, which has been my excuse for every other episode. Thank That's God. Here. I know. That's all, you, that's all I talk about. It's probably annoying. But I'm done with that. I'm sitting in my game room, and I was like, hey, I can just throw this fucking game in my console and play it because it's like a 10-minute playthrough, 15-minute playthrough or something. Like, I really listened to what you guys were talking about earlier. I heard somebody talk about how they blazed through it in, like, 14 minutes after watching someone fail miserably at it. And I think that's just, like, <laughs> our, our generation's flex, man, because, like, if you grew up and you're, like, our age you can usually just get through Contra pretty quickly. I think it's a pretty easy game. I'm always very, very baffled by like the guys our age. I'm like those Facebook groups. They're like, Oh, it's impossible without the Konami code and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, like I don't, this game's easier than Super Mario brothers. I don't understand like how you can struggle that hard with it. Maybe it is just like, I, we, we hammer so much trial and error into our brains as kids. It's like riding a bike now, but I just fired it up like maybe two hours before the show. First attempt, blazed through it, had extra lives to spare, didn't waste to continue at all. And I was like, yeah, great. This, this game's fucking phenomenal. And it's like just hard enough and it keeps you engaged. And I don't know. If you don't know what Contra is and you are into video games at all, you're clearly living under a rock. I don't know. <laughs> I, I would agree. This is not exactly the hidden gym I advertised it to be in the collector's quest this, podcast this, this group. Be a, this definitely be a, a hidden gem in the, in the middle of jesus rock well video. that's that's a different yeah i mean you know <laughs> anything good is hidden to him i guess but <laughs> man that guy's gonna listen to this, this podcast one day and like go through all the whole episodes and just see himself getting roasted every single he's, episode he's gonna no, he's show up Robbie. at midwest gaming classic and just punch us you can punch <laughs> me right in my fucking mouth <laughs> like oh you think you're the real metal jesus huh <laughs> and you'd be like, yes. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So with all that being said, and I, I agree with your sentiment here as it relates to people's ability and, and knowledge of this game, by the way. And it is true. Like, and I, again, I'm not trying to talk shit on like people's ability to play games. No. The, the, the Double Dragon 3 episode, I was getting a little spicy with it. Like that game's fucking hard. And I was just being a dick saying like, Jay, you suck at video games. But like that game is objectively hard correct contra in my opinion is not it's like of all the nes games in the world like that one's pretty in the pretty easy category for difficulty level here's here's one thing i will say and i, mm. I agree with you I, I don't think it's that difficult of a game but i will say this if you grew up playing this game with the 30 lives code the, the contra code and you got used to that being kind of your muscle memory as to how you navigate through the game and the assumption that you will die in some places, but uh -huh. then, then it shouldn't be unacceptable that that's kind of how you play it now, right? Like I still do the same things in Mega Man 2 that I did in 1989 or 88 as yeah. well. So yeah. if, if you're used to playing the game with all those lives and you're used to just being like, it's okay, 
I've got this whole trove of, of, of lives that I don't I don't have to worry. I can kind of play in this careless fashion. When you do go to play, and I've done this recently, when you do go to try to play it, that with just those three lives, you're like, oh, shit, I need to be careful. That, yeah. that makes it more fun in some ways and less fun in others. <laughs> and I, I guess think it's kind of like, yeah. it ties into like, people using a game genie for infinite lives or like when you set an arcade game on free play, it's like, there's no incentive to like care. You're just going to keep just getting smoked and keep hitting, you know, start again to, to, to chime back in. It's like, it just, you just kill your incentive to like try harder and not lose that credit or like get reset all the way back to the beginning. So, and, and I'm which gonna, is usually like, which is usually like the very like premise of most NES games. Right. And I'm going to tell you, everybody in the chat is agreeing with you. They think that this game is relatively easy and that it is unacceptable that you use the code and that you don't need them when you're as great as games as someone like Tiger Wolf Games says he is. I'm serious. Seriously. Like, I think I literally saw a Facebook post, maybe like last year or something, some dude posting like uh, a picture of his TV, like, be contra without the Konami code. People are like, what is this sorcery? You're a fucking liar. Like, tearing him up. And I was like, what? It's 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 no way it's possible. People are like literally saying that. I'm like, you guys must really suck. Dude. It's quite you must possible. Have like no, no dexterity in it whatsoever. I think there's two parts with that. I, I, I do agree with Mike where I think it is. It falls down to that whole, it, it's that careless fun you have with it when you have those because it's the whole, eh, I can die five or six times, whatever. It doesn't matter. I, I get that. I mean, you can do that with Life Force too, which I got I yeah. my friends. We just want to mindlessly mash. And we're like, we'll do the code and just do that and if we die we don't even care because we're yeah. like just hanging out basically with like that that's like our background it's just like mashing and shooting stuff and i think about that and i think about too and and i think you can agree with this robbie is if you look back to when we were kids and we'd play these games how fucking cool did you feel when you put that code in the first time and it worked and you're like holy it shit was, it was, i got yeah. 30 fucking lives your friends because would be like holy shit you were like the bad motherfucker on the block if I know, you could get that dude. shit in <laughs> It, it's it's so it, it was such a legendary thing that it's become like a marketable thing now. People put like the Konami code on like hats and stuff. I, I told you, know, you like, I don't know if you heard earlier, but they literally use it for their own marketing. So I get packages when I buy things from them, and it's on the outside of the package. You can tell it's from them because it has a yeah. graphic representation of the code. Or I have a shirt that the inside you know label is is the code. It's 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 just. One it's of those that distinguishable. From our time, man. Like I can remember, I still remember the blood code for the original Mortal Kombat. That's never leaving my brain. It's just going to be there forever. You know, yeah. it's like it's just one of those codes that people remember for you know. And I think was Contra the first one to use it, or my no, it was Gradius. Gradius was, was the first Gradius? game. Oh, yep. Okay. And I I talk about it a little bit earlier, but essentially it was put in to help them get through the arcade version of the game because from playtesting they would have never got through because it was so difficult <laughs> and then it got left in and they it was too late to pull out at that time and then it just kind of Ooh. you know the lore grew from there and they just used it as a common code and then it just became the contra code it, it was definitely like playground lore if you knew that shit you're like yeah i fucking know this code you just like we're cool just for knowing oh it. yeah that was a total flex <laughs> if you're if your yeah. friends had never seen that before and you walked up be like hey watch this and they're like this game's so hard it sucks you know you're 14 playing this game yeah and, and you show them that and they're like holy shit like you would literally like pull a rabbit out of a hat they're like what the fuck yeah you know I, so. I personally don't remember the mike tyson's punch out code but that's like kind of in that same camp people always just remember it from entering it over and over because you, your ass beat by mike tyson just keep 
putting a password back in and going straight to him to try to beat him. Zero zero seven three seven three five nine six three. So yeah, I know. I work, there's like some laborer that's been working at the arcade with me lately, like that was hired like for temporary work, and like he helped me move a fuckload of arcade cabinets for some event the other day. And he's like forty six year old black dude from the south side, and he just was like randomly like just we were talking about video games or something. And he spotted off the code to me. He just fucking knew it. Like, yeah, so I get to Mike Tyson. I'm like, damn. Yeah, but you're zero yeah. one or something. I know, right, right. But like, zero and two, zero and two. Off me, he spotted off me casually and like. No, I, I'm like, kidding. Across as like a nerdy video game guy, but he just knew it because it's the same thing. Like, it's just, I just know the Konami code. It's forever ingrained in in your memory, and you'll in, never forget in, it. In in pop culture, yeah, agreed. Remotely, if you're just around that that time. So, with so all that being also, said, go ahead. I was gonna I was gonna segue into you said something about the arcade. Radius, I was gonna. It, re, it reminded me that I had also played the arcade version of Contra a few days ago on the the recently released Contra Anniversary Collection for Switch. Deep research. Go on. I know. I'm doing. Look at me. I'm doing my fucking homework. It's wild, proud, huh? proud of you. I, thank you. Thank you. I'm proud of myself. A so plus. I I fired. That's the first thing I went to because I was like, I you know I played all these other Contra games to death, like the, the home console ones. So I never really played the arcade ones because I never really saw any cabinets for growing up anywhere. So I went to the first Contra and I was like, just kind of like playing it and seeing what the similarities were to the home port. A right off the bat, it's way more clunky. This is definitely like an example of where the NES game is far superior than the arcade version because they like just made it super tight controls, polished it, you know, made it just way more slick and responsive games than the arcade counterpart. So I played the arcade one a bit. I got like, I didn't get that far, but I died pretty early on. Okay. Like, I feel like I would, if I had to choose, I never would revisit it, but unless I really want to start grinding on it. But I, I did think there were some cool things in there. Like when you hit the stage where you're at the base, and you have to like it's like the over the shoulder third person perspective and you're like running mm-hmm. to the base and shooting the orbs base one and in base arcade, two yes yeah in the arcade it, it it's like after you beat a certain section of the base and instead of just naturally automatically progressing you to the next you like walk forward and then it makes you like kind of choose to go right and like so you're actually going through corridors and huh. also it's time it's timed so it forces you the whole the whole base is timed well it's so an it arcade game based on quarters so of course it is I know, but I think it's cool because it forces you to hustle. Because, like, yeah. otherwise you can just crouch the whole time in the NES one, just take your time and, like, wait for an opening. If I remember right in the arcade, too, you can pick a direction and it takes you, like, there's a pattern to it and it does take you yeah. through it quicker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a cool, I don't know, after that I died, like, in the next level. So I was like, I never didn't have a chance to go further and figure out what more uh, differences or similarities there were, but. I don't know, I just felt like I should mention the arcade version at all. I don't know if anybody did on the show yet. But um, I played that, and then I went to my old faithful, one of my favorite Contra games ever, Operation C for the original Game Boy. I think that Operation C fits right down with the original Contra and Super C in terms of, like, the original games and how they feel. Yep, I agree. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's so fucking good. That's the only one that I ever owned, because I think... I can't remember I played the original Contra growing up, but Nick Shoptek, mm-hmm. who got all the games from recently, he had Super C. Um, I don't know if he had the original Contra too, but I definitely played all of them a bunch growing up. And then I eventually bought Operation C for myself. And I don't know if I ever told the story, and I'm going to tell a story here because I just do that, I guess. But <clears throat> when I bought Operation C on the original Game Boy, 
I knew it was coming out or it might've already been out. I was obsessed with attaining it. So I like was a little fucking kid and I just was like doing whatever I could to scrounge up the change, save money and like mow lawns, take out the trash, you know, anything I could. But I I remember having a fuckload of change, like a whole bucket of change, like one that you would take to a coin star to like Mm -hmm. change it for cash. And I was like, I somehow accrued like 40 bucks or whatever the hell a Game Boy game was. And I was like, mom, we're going today. This is it. I got the money. We got to go to Child World and we're buying this fucking game. Did you call him and ask him if it was available? (laughs) No. Do you have Operation C for a Game Boy? (laughs) (laughs) We've had it for months. We wish you'd buy it. Yes. Please. We went and she was like, you want to stop at the bank and cash? You know, turn that into cat. I'm like, no. No time for that. We got to get to the trial world. You're encroaching on playtime, Mom. Let's go. Yeah. I was like so excited to finally be able to get it. And we uh, got, they had the game. You, you, you did the thing where you pulled a little ticket and you bring it and then they brought, they gave you the Game Boy game from the back room. Mm-hmm. I got it. And then I just fucking made it rain, like and change all over the <laughs> counter. Sing. Yeah. Like all over the counter and the lady, the poor girl. The poor cashier, woman. Yeah. She's just fucking counting it all slowly. And then like my mom was apologizing constantly. I didn't give a shit because I was like a you're selfish like, little Of course, you're like an my, entitled little my game. No different than yeah. today. Was the lady like, but, why do you have so many quarters and a mustache? <laughs> <laughs> I've been digging them out of the couch and stuff. The mustache? Yeah. Yes. Basically. So anyway. So let's let's get, get back to Contra. Yeah. Get back to Contra. Please. <laughs> Give, please, he says. Please. <laughs> what would your score be for this game? I, I, I know. I know five. what the score is. It's a, it's a, it's a perfect NES game. There was a perfect game. There's nothing I've ever doubted less than that you would give this a five, <laughs> and I yeah, knew that, like no doubt. It's a perfect game. I, I like like you like you joked about earlier. You could have called me. I could have been like five out of five. It's perfect. Bye. Yep. And like that's all you need to know. We might start you, doing that. It, this, <laughs> five point five. This, this is, Contra is the game plus. that like Contra is the game that like even if you're not really deep into retro games or you're just a casual enthusiast or you just like. A, a dude in your late 30s or 40s and someone just mentions it you see them light up like fuck yeah i love that game yep awesome. i concur oh man I mean, it happened to me last week i got mentioned some random dude like yeah constant oh man so good and, you know it's just always that response i agree and when when i first got into collecting i remember nick nick shepdeck he always said this too every time we try to buy like games off of people They'd be like, ah, yeah, I don't want these old things anymore. You can have them all. But this one I'm going to keep back. Yep. They'd always pull that one back, and he'd be like, damn it. So I, it was like always kind of hard to get Contra. You fuckers. Makes, yeah, it makes, it makes it hard to get. Uh, it was definitely one of the harder boxes for me to get, too. Oh, so like, we'll talk about that common, a little bit in collecting. Common, common it is, games. It's like the Mega Man thing. It's like, yeah, it's common, but everyone fucking wants it. It's not, wants to come off their copy. It's not too expensive, but it's really hard to find in nice condition. This one's hard to find. <laughs> So, Always hammered because everyone played the hell out of yep, it. Yep, I agree. So, all anyway, right, perfect game. Five point oh. Say about it. That's already been said. Five point oh. Very good. Well, yeah. With yeah. with that, I'm going to send you off, and uh, we'll right. talk soon, and we'll see you in a few weeks. Um, we'll talk again before then, but we'll see you in a few weeks. All right. Thank you for joining us. Robert Komen, 8-Bit Supremacy. 
the one and only. You know what he is? What is he? Alright. Thank you, Robbie. Jay, you're next. 5.0. Done. Go. I got nothing else to say. What what else is there to be said? There's nothing. It's 5.0. Game's fucking awesome. Alright. It's fun as shit. Now I'm going to have to get my diatribe out. I got to talk about this one for a while. Why? I just have my grade. Or score. It's a 5.0. This game is a 5.0. I I love this game. I... It's when I first got back into collecting, it was one of the first games I wanted to get my hands on. It is one of the games that I have the fondest memories of from my youth, even though I had no idea. Like I, I understood like intellectual properties back then. Like I'm like, oh, this is a Disney thing, like DuckTales, or oh, this is a Nintendo thing, like whatever it was, you know, Mario or, or Kid Icarus. But this was like Konami. I'm like, what is this based on? Is it based on a movie? Like, what is this? And then I'm just like I mean, kind of the cover, yes, we found out later, but in general, no, right? And uh, I just, I, I do, I love this game. So I'm also giving it a 5.0. I will not waste uh, any time on this. And I will say, now we must move on to the Sashimi Z review. Sashimi Z says, and I quote, Do you guys like jumping in Contra as much as I do? You instantly curl up into a tiny blue ball like you're Sonic the Hedgehog. A mechanic that hack Yuji Naka absolutely ripped off from this game. It's real satisfying stuff, and one of the things that makes it better than the arcade original. Also, this game is short as absolute balls, and not in a I'm Yuji Naka, here's Sonic 3, half a video game that's short as balls kind of way. (laughs) It's 15 minutes long because it doesn't waste a single frame on bullshit padding, and you can slam through multiple loops that are just as rad as the first. My point is Yuji Naka is literally the most overrated video game creator of all time. (laughs) Two episodes in a row where I can't complain Robbie's going to overrate some obscure garbage because this game is perfect. Although he definitely said something like Super C is better because it's more challenging and less popular. That guy can't help himself. (laughs) Five out of five. I think what's most important is that Yuji Naka is literally the most overrated video game creator of all time. That, that made me laugh. Okay. <laughs> All right. 5.0. So, yes, John, John's going to be the... John's getting roasted in the chat for the 4.0. Robbie just said, you gave this game the same score I gave Double Dragon 3. <laughs> the Sacred Stones? They're not that sacred. <laughs> anyway. you, know, Mike, you had a good point about Double Dragon 3 I want to bring up, because Robbie brought that up again. Yeah, go ahead. He rated that higher just out of spite. It was a spite ranking. We'll talk about that at the end of the year. The year okay. in review, I'm sure. You know, I'm not I'm not ready to retroactively re-review. Okay. But anyway, okay. Jay, where can you play this game today? Um, actually, you can play it on, of course, the NES, Famicom, and the MSX2. The MSX2 is interesting because it's not a scrolling game. It is a page flip type game. Yes. Like a Metal Gear more game where it's yeah. like, here's a scene, you cut to this exit to the screen, and then it flips over to the next screen. Yes. Just because of limitations, I'm sure. But go ahead. They also have, uh, it's on the Xbox 360 Live Arcade. Uh, the Konami Classic Series Arcade Hits for the Nintendo DS. The uh, Contra 4, Contra and Super C are hidden bonuses in the Nintendo DS. Mm-hmm. Then they have the Konami, Konami Collector Series Castlevania <laughs> the Contra. Konami Collector Series. For Windows PC. Mm-hmm. They have Wii and Wii U for the Virtual Console, the MSX2 version. Mm-hmm. 
the arcade archives for PlayStation 4, and then the Contra Anniversary Collection, which Robbie hit on a little bit that he played yep. on the PlayStation, the Switch, and the Xbox. Correct. And I'm sure it's probably on Steam as well. I'm sure everything's on Steam. It sure is. So. What if I came on and said Contra Force was misunderstood? We would hang up and edit that out. Your mom is misunderstood, says Tiger Wolf Games. <laughs> Got him. Okay. A little bit about collecting this game. There are two versions. I'm going to tell you that the version sitting in front of us is the oval seal. That is the inferior quality uh, seal of quality. You want the round seal. I have a copy in my bins that I'll be taking to Midwest Gaming Classic. I'm going to have to pull and review to determine if it is a circle seal, the good seal, not the garbage oval seal that nobody wants, the good black circle seal, right? Now, all that being said, doesn't really matter when it comes to collecting loose versions of this game, right? All, all the cartridges for this game are three screw. I don't think there are any five screw variants. If they are, there's some, you know, refurbished one-offs or whatever that potentially exist. So, loose, this game is about $35. And that's, I think that's an interesting price because this is not a rare game. Much no. like The Legend of Zelda or Mega Man 2, they're just desirable games, right? There's, there's plenty of these games out there, but because people want them, it's a $35 game. So, and then complete in box, it's around a $200 game. Again, condition sensitive, cardboard boxes, and all that good stuff. But that's a rough estimate of a decent condition one. Now, it is hard to find this game in good condition. Like, this box is always kind of a, a mess, it seems like. So, I didn't really put down anything for sealed because I'm going to probably remove just the raw seal because it's kind of hard to get a real gauge on that anymore. But a little bit about some, um, the, some graded information about the game. This game has been graded 39 times at, from a sealed perspective on, on WADA, right? With the best grade being a 9.8 A+. It has also been graded 53 times as a CIB, which is pretty high for a CIB. That's and the best grade for that is a 9.2. What I thought was interesting was in their population report, <laughs> they don't differentiate between variants. Normally, you can like tree it out or hit the plus and see the multiple versions and how many of each one. They yeah. don't do that for this game. Even though they've clearly defined that there are two versions of this game, and I've seen that in auctions and on their labels for the games and all that stuff, they don't they don't delineate that in in their population report, which I, I think is interesting. I don't not especially sure why. with the amount that are graded. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, I, I agree. That's kind it's, of interesting. I would agree. I think it's probably one of those things where like, oh crap, we didn't do that from the beginning, and now we can't because the numbers will be way up. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. They're all the same. So a little bit on sales. This game, the most this game ever sold for, July 9th, twenty twenty one, the height of. Uh, COVID mania pricing as it related to graded games, I would say right in the wheelhouse, almost, you know, a good 18 months ago now, somewhere in that neighborhood, 17 months ago, 19, whatever, I don't know. 9.8 A plus, Rev A, round seal of quality, again, the good one. That's the best grade available, $150,000 this game sold for. You paid that much for this game? <laughs> I wouldn't pay that much for a thousand copies of this game. Yeah, well. mm, maybe I would. No. Anyway, now in January of this year, a 9.6 A plus of the same round seal of quality variant to give you an idea of where prices have gone. Again, I understand this is not the nicest version, but it's it's a shade or a hair worse than that 9.8 A plus 9.6 A plus. Again, the 9.8 150,000 $19,200. Then just yesterday. As I was trolling through Heritage Auctions, 
as I as I am one to do on a Tuesday evening. And I do think that we probably need to get on and, and live stream that, uh, Tyler, while we, we bid on garbage on Heritage Auctions. I'd really enjoy that. A 7.0 B plus sold for $2,400 or just over like $2,409 just yesterday. Did you bid on it? No. It was already in the hundreds of dollars before it went live. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And it, it wound up going for just over $2,400, which I think is absurd for a 7.0 considering I got fucking Shatterhand for like, well, that was less than $300 out the door. And it's a 7.0 A. That's a better grade. Yeah. So suck on that. Anyway. I'm not going to suck on that. That's a little it's bit a about box. collecting. Jay. Give me speed running and then we'll wrap up. I'm going to speed run the shit out of this. Yeah. So number of runners, we had 329. Number of runs, we had 1,333. And I'm going to say there are a number of different speed runs, but I'm going to really try and keep this section compact and listenable because it can get yeah. a really esoteric if you don't. So you yeah. can tell that by the two types of runs I've chose. What Absolutely. Else? So the runs are both any percent, but it's any percent and then any percent to player. Yep. So that's the only difference is we have a one player and a two player. Any percent was done by King Koopa. Uh, that was nine minutes, 47 seconds, 800 milliseconds. Mm-hmm. And then any percent two player was the Mexican runner and angry lengths. Mm-hmm. And they did it nine minutes, 51 seconds. The interesting part about these runs, and I don't have it on here. I probably should add this is the any percent, the single or solo. That was like a month ago. And someone came within like milliseconds just last week of almost beating that record. Yeah. The any player, any percent two player was five years ago, I think, is when it was accomplished. And no one has come close to beating it since. I think a month ago, somebody got second. But it's been like five years that record has sat. We should try it. <laughs> okay. Do we All get that info use, was from speedrun.com. Can I use the code? If we're speedrunning, we're not going to need that, I imagine. Let's learn some strategy. I think that might slow us down a little bit. All right. So time to wrap up. A little bit about the next game. We talked about this. We're going to be on again next week. So next Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, March 8th, yes. right? And we're going to do Parodius. So it'll be our first, like, non-U.S. released game, right? Like, we've never done a game that wasn't also released in the U.S. And Parodius was only released on the NES and PAL regions and then also on the Famicom. Wait a minute. I thought this was a Jaguar game. Yeah, you're thinking of that uh, Attack of the Killer Penguins. Oh, okay. I think. I know we have a link tree. I did know that. Okay. I did. I ask you that every week. It's all over our marketing material. I put it, it in the notes. It's obvious. It's I, I told you last is show. Is it even on our pen? It's on the pen. I told you last show. I updated it. See, yeah. I know. Okay. So for everybody in the in the crowd, is we do have a link tree. It is linkter.e. Correct. Forward slash lost joystick. And where can the people listening to us now find us? If they want to go to the individual sites, you can go to our social media, which is Lost Joystick for Instagram and Twitter and Lost Joystick Network for Facebook and the old Twitch. And of course, we have our email, which you added to the link tree, right? Nope. Oh, so we have an email. Yep. It's uh, info at lostjoystickNetwork.com. Yep. And what I did add to the link tree was that you could leave a voicemail. Oh, yeah. A voice there man. we go. So, all right. With that, I think it's time to set sail and wish all of our viewers and listeners good day. 
So with that, I will say, go out there, have fun, be safe, and be excellent to each other. <laughs>